other than oh you know what i didn't do and i was going to i was going to look up the love power song from up at treasure island <laughs> how does it go? How, is it it's different than the one in the in the disenchanted movie yes it's different it's like a jamaican accent and use i don't know how to, if i can sing it but it's like love power a little love power love power i like that so much little- more than what they did in <laughs> disenchanted i just <laughs> anyway let's start because I am, I'm, I'm i think i've processed and i think i'm ready to go okay i think it's my turn right i think last time you did the intro no idea but go ahead okay Hello and welcome to Missed Opportunities, presented by Your Little Sisters Productions. I'm Laura. I'm Taya. And together we are both the little sisters in our family, hence the name of our production company. (laughs) We do Missed Opportunities because we both love movies and sometimes we talk about TV shows as well, which we also love. And we love talking about the missed opportunities in movies and TV shows, especially when they have a lot of potential and fall short of it. On here, we talk about what we would do differently, sometimes within the storyline, sometimes if we could change what the plot of the movie is. And tonight, we are talking about the long-anticipated sequel to Enchanted, Disenchanted, which premiered on Disney Plus very recently. I don't think it was in theaters at all. I think it was a straight-to-streaming movie. Is that correct, Taya? I think so. (laughs) I don't think it was in theaters. If it's in theaters, please correct us. You can correct us on Instagram and Facebook. We have both. We do not have Twitter at the moment. We do have Instagram and Facebook. We also have a Patreon. It is under uh, Taya Joyflake. So patreon.com slash Taya Joyflake. T-A-I-A-J-O-Y-F-L-A-K-E. You can go ahead and join there and let us know if you disagree with us there if you want. I think you can also send messages to us through Anchor if you're listening through Anchor. I don't think you can through Spotify, but if you're listening through Spotify and want to correct us or disagree with us or agree with us, you can find us on social media and do so there. We do not mind disagreements as long as it's respectful. We like hearing different people's opinions and why they believe that or why they think that, especially when it comes to movies, because at the end of the day, it really is just a movie. Yes, absolutely. So Disenchanted is the sequel to Enchanted. And Mm -hmm. you sent me a really funny message that I completely understood, but my poor husband, Jonathan, was so confused by when I told him (laughs) the message you sent me, which is, I so I sent Taya a message saying, I just finished watching Disenchanted. I need some time to process because I do. I take time to think and process. And then Taya sent it back. Yeah, I just finished it too. I liked everything but the plot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, I understand perfectly. And Jonathan's like, what? How can you like everything but the plot? That is the movie. And I was like, I understand exactly what she's saying. So let's okay. get into it. Because <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people listening right now are, are confused by how you can like everything but the plot when the plot is the point of a movie. Yeah. First of all, um, I want to give a shout out to my connection with Amy Adams, a very dear friend of mine who married my cousin and became part of our family. She is actually cousins 
with Amy Adams. Um, sadly, she passed away last year, but um, I always like to say that I'm almost related to Amy Adams because <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone who is in my family is also in her family. So when like Enchanted came out and Amy Adams became like a huge star and everything, we were all like, oh, like, let me come to Thanksgiving with you, you know? <laughs> so first of all, the first Enchanted, I think was a success because it was a rom-com that just happened to have fairy tale elements in it. Yes. This movie is not a rom-com. No. It is not a family comedy. It is no. not doesn't have a main character. Uh and it's it's fun. It is an incredibly fun movie. It has lots of really pretty uh scenery, tons of wonderful costumes and makeup and hair it has really great performances and it has um you know a lot of cool uh magical elements the cgi isn't that bad you know like all of these great things that make it a very pretty movie to watch and it's very fun the songs are fun none of the songs are memorable at all um <laughs> yeah i can't think of the melody of a single one of them but i can think of the melodies of movies from the first one right of musicals so the problem is that you have all of these wonderful elements to make this a really great movie and the plot <laughs> is is not really there and there's no like category that it fits into it is literally the sequel to a rom-com that has no rom-com, <laughs> you know, like it is, you know, and so um, I think that how just blanket statement, first thing that I would do to fix this movie is to either make Morgan the main character and mm -hmm. have it be from her perspective the entire time, have mm -hmm. her make the wish Mm -hmm. And have her fall in love or her do like, you know, make it either like a teenage coming of age story with a romantic subplot or make it, you know, her coming to terms with her family or whatever, or make it as like actually use the actress that played her as a child, have her be a grown up and have this just be her story and her rom-com. But I, I would have I would have picked a category to put the movie into. I This movie is missing a plot like it's missing a, a category to put it into I was talking to Jonathan about this and okay so one of my ideas was exactly what you said have Morgan be the main character and her make the wish I said I think there were three different avenues that if you and I were approached as screenwriters for this they said we want a sequel to Enchanted I said I think there are three different avenues that we would walk down write probably scripts out and see which one we liked best again one of them is morgan as a teenager with the love story with tyson and she makes the wish maybe life is hard and she remembers all these fairy tale stories from Andalasia, from giselle and she wishes life was more like that so when the wishing wand comes she gets it and decides to see if she can use it and it works or she has she goes to Andalasia somehow Maybe it's a Little Mermaid 2 kind of a thing where she really feels a pull to Andalasia and she goes there. Or the third thing would be Andalasia is in trouble and Nancy and Edward come and Giselle and Morgan have to go to Andalasia 
to help Analasia out somehow. But I think for the purposes of the, the Enchanted movie, I'd want it to stay in not in cartoon land for very long. I'd want it mostly to be in person. So I'd probably go more with Morgan being the one to make the wish. I think that is the correct, like w- the more I thought about which path or which storyline would you go with? I think I do go with the Morgan one. And they have a kind of a romantic subplot of Morgan and Tyson. I don't know why they didn't. If they had focused on that, on her, we could have had the coming of age story with the romantic subplot with Tyson very easily. They already have, there is something there between them. Right. Like so they I don't know why they didn't the- lean more into it. They just, they, they spent too much time with the Giselle which was fine, but Giselle wasn't really the main character either because he also had some time with Morgan. Yeah, it's funny because, like, Giselle is the one that goes to sleep, right? Like, she goes to sleep and the wish happens. But then when the wish is gone, Morgan is the one that wakes up. (laughs) And it's so, like, disjointed. Yeah. Because the two of them, like, it's not like a buddy, you know, situation where, like, a buddy comedy or something where the two of them are together working it out together because they are never together (laughs) on like, they're never on the same page mentally. So they're never working towards the same cause at the same time in the same room. So Morgan is fighting against her. She makes a wish. She's dealing with, you know, her, her situation. Um, Amy Adams character. What is her name? Giselle. (laughs) Sorry. Giselle is dealing with her problems and turning into the evil stepmother and, more we see morgan we see it from giselle's perspective morgan you know meeting a cute guy flirting him asking her out like we see that from giselle's perspective but then giselle sends morgan to be the hero morgan is the hero she does all the stuff and she ultimately you know saves the day through way too long but like she ultimately saves the day and then it's her waking up and it's her story and it and it's like that it doesn't flow and I can see why a lot of the articles I haven't read any of the articles because I didn't want to spoil it but so many of like the headlines you know the clickbait is that it was very disappointing and that it wasn't as good as the first one and I, and I'm like I actually kind of like it better than the first one because it's so fun and colorful and I like fairy tale and the fairy tale village more than I like New York but the story, the plot, <laughs> the plot is nowhere near as good as the first one because it's not a plot. It's like a mismatch of different types of plots that they never really got together. You know, like they put all the ingredients in and stirred it, <laughs> but they never actually made any, they didn't make the meal. You know so, what I mean? <laughs> one of the things that happened one of the best examples i think of what you're saying of it's it's incomplete it's disjointed in the first enchanted which i watched immediately after disenchanted because i was like i have to see the first one to refresh my memory of certain things everyone has a has a character arc in that movie even the nathaniel who follows edward into new york and is working for the evil queen he has a character arc from being head over heels in love with her, willing to murder for her, to realizing that she treats him like trash and he deserves better, and betraying her to come to the side of good. And he's a very side character. He's not on screen as much as Giselle herself or anything, but he has a character arc. Edward has a character arc. Robert, Giselle, 
Nancy, all of them have arcs. In this movie, Robert, so they start off by showing that maybe he's a little displeased with being a lawyer in New York still, especially now that they've moved to the suburbs, which we'll get to in a minute about what I think of that, <laughs> but and him now having to commune. And so when the fairy tale world happens and he's off to find something with purpose and meaning, I was like, okay. He's going to go out, he's going to do something heroic, and he, he's going to, when the spell ends, and this all ends happy because that's how it's going to end, whether or not he rem- remembers the spell, he's going to remember the feeling of wanting to do good for people. And maybe he doesn't want to be a lawyer anymore. Or if he wants to be a lawyer, maybe he wants to be a different type of lawyer. But he's going to come out of this doing something more philanthropic with his life. He's going to help people and find a meaningful purpose to to do, meaningful purpose to do. He's going to find the purpose in his life. He's something different, something new. And they go through and he saves a little girl. He saves her life, gives her back to her family. They call him their hero. He's all happy. And then he helps at the end by stopping the clock from striking midnight. And then he wakes up, he has the strangest dream. And the only thing that changes in his life is instead of commuting to New York, he opens a practice in town. And they don't tell you what kind of practice because he was a divorce lawyer remember in the first one they don't say what kind if he's changed the avenue what kind of law he practices if it's pro bono if he's focusing more on charity work or non-profit helping non-profits out with their legal things or it just says and he opened a new practice so he didn't have to commute but the entire point of like they have a scene on the train where the woman's like can you ride this train over and over and over and over and over to show that is kind of a miserable existence to just always be on the train commuting. So that was part of his journey, I thought, but the most of his journey was him being a hero and trying to help save people. And then at the end, he just moves his law practice into town. And I think, I think the problem is, is that we're, we're looking for the sim, the symbolism in it, like the, the monotony of driving the train and edward talking to him and giving him a sword and telling him like you can be a hero too and your life kind of sucks and then he gets on the train and he's like realizing that yeah his life kind of does suck and we think like oh he's going to find purpose and real you know but i feel like there's not actual symbolism it really is he doesn't want to ride the train every single day so instead he's going to commit to living in this small town in this small suburb and it's like, so there's really nothing, there, there wasn't anything more. There was nothing, there was no more. Poor Robert got, got n- almost nothing because not wanting to commute, learning that you don't want to commute was, I don't know. I feel as yeah. though they didn't know what to do with Robert. I understand they needed him not to be around Giselle and Morgan while the spell was going on i completely understand and i agree with that story that that choice they made for the story but 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 there's so much more they could have done they could have yeah they could have had him realize that he suddenly has has a drive to open a non-profit okay sorry let me finish but he doesn't he doesn't even need to open a nonprofit. Like he doesn't have to be philanthropy. Like he when he saves the little girl and like he could have been like a family 
have worked with families trying to get them back together and he could have been working to help uh just like a family practice there are other things he could have done besides just being charitable like found some passion in the law that he already had or he could find a completely different one that was bringing families together rather than a divorce lawyer who you know makes money from people separating their families you know so there was a lot they could have done with him that they just didn't and everybody i feel like in this movie is the same way they could have had a story like they could have had a character arc like everybody in the first movie had a character arc except for uh morgan because morgan was the little girl she knew who she was and her she was like the the steady character that everybody like aspired to be right you know she had beliefs and she was caring and good and helpful she just wanted a mom you know like and so this movie was her opportunity to have a character arc and to have a lot of growth and stuff and it's like we kind of saw it but we she wasn't the main character she wasn't the main focus Giselle took that from her but Giselle wasn't in the end the main character she wasn't the main focus and um like Edward and uh the woman he ends up with Nancy Nancy like they could have had so much more and I think I would have loved I would have loved to see Edward and Robert like going on quest together like I love the two of them together I, I think they're hilarious what's gonna happen I'm not kidding when I I really thought that we were gonna see Edward and Robert have the little adventure together and I I really am so sad that we didn't get that because the scene that they were in together was just so fun and then all of the townspeople I feel like were so underutilized like they have an evil queen and then they have the song of like I'm badder than you and there's only one evil queen, you know, going to happen or whatever, like, that can be. And then, but the the son of the evil queen is, like, the prince, you know? He's the, he's the, the love interest for Morgan. He's, and, like, that was it. It was so one-dimensional because they were too busy trying to make Morgan's story make sense and Giselle's story make sense rather than picking one and giving actual dimension to all the other characters everybody else is so one note and I think that's like you were saying about the first one I'm not a huge fan of the first one like I said before I'm I don't really like New York that much as a setting I don't like glow downs (laughs) and I didn't I didn't love the first one I just thought it was okay you know it's fun uh the music is fine um, and but Susan Sarandon had a character that was evil for evil's sake, yet she was so interesting and had layers to her and was a complex character, even though she was, you know, she didn't have some tragic backstory that um, went on too long. She wasn't any, she was just an evil queen because she wanted to be an evil queen, you know, and that but she still gave the character so much nuance you know this story had uh my Maya Rudolph and you know we all know she's capable of doing that you know she's capable of having really cool complex characters and um I've only ever seen Tyson I've only ever seen him in um Assembly Required which is a cheesy kid show which does not require good acting skills so I don't know how much he's capable of but if they were going to cast him, like he had to have been able to do something, you know, like 
give him something like I and and like her little henchmen and the three garden fairies like they just they just didn't do anything they were just pretty they were fun to look at but there was no substance there and I feel like that's this entire movie (laughs) you know it's it's so pretty to look at but there's no substance (laughs) so a few things on that note I really loved the, the very tall village, the look, because and the, the big dance numbers they had there, because it reminded me of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, the yes. Whitney Houston movie. Oh, I was thinking um, the Leslie Ann Warren one, but it's fine. See, I haven't seen Leslie Ann Warren, so I, I've seen the Whitney Houston what? Brandy, but we've talked about this several times, and every time you have the <laughs> same reaction. I grew up watching well, Whitney Houston it? Brandy was the Cinderella that I knew growing up. And Bernadette Peters was the evil stepmother, fantastic evil stepmother, Whitney Houston, godmother, of course, and Paolo, I'm forgetting his last name, was the prince. And it took me until I was a lot older to realize that Whoopi Goldberg, oh, I'm forgetting, uh, Vincent Garbo, I think his name, or Victor Garbo, one of those two. So Victor Garbo is white, Whoopi Goldberg is black, and then the prince is Asian. Right. And it took me way too late until probably i was almost an adult like a teenager we watching it because i love that musical to be like wait a second <laughs> but that's how Winnie uh, wanted to cast her movie was she didn't she didn't care if the if it made sense right. if the family units and everything didn't didn't make sense and so but that's the movie i grew up watching and it was it was in a fairy tale village with that kind of fashion that you would expect the corsets and the full skirts and the men in I don't know what kind of what you call them but the the blousey fl- flowing sleeves and yeah these Tunic. big dance numbers with all the villagers who were just phenomenal dancers and I loved watching them and so it reminded me of that so I loved that aspect of it I like Enchanted more than Disenchanted. I I think I like Enchanted more than you. Well, not I don't think I I know I do, especially hearing you now. I really like the first Enchanted. And yeah. one of the things that bothered me a little bit with this particular storyline and with the with Giselle's character, I wa- we watched Enchanted. And as Enchanted goes on, it starts off as a musical. She starts off as this fairy tale princess, and by the time that Edward finds her in the real world in New York, she doesn't sing along with him. He starts singing the true love kiss song and she, you know, she's happy and she, but she doesn't join in and she's like, Oh yeah, I'm not. And she, she has, I think it was the night before she and Ed, uh, Robert, excuse me, have an argument and she's angry. And then she left. She's like, oh, I'm angry. I'm angry. But the reason she's having this happy reaction to being angry for the first time in her life is because now she's fully realizing the full breadth of emotions, the depth that you can have of emotions, what life could really be like when you have more than just happy and unhappy. You know, yes, anger is not a fun emotion to have, neither is sadness, but it makes the joy so much sweeter. She really learns in the first movie that she likes the reality. And she wants to live in reality. So she and as time goes on, she stops singing and her fashion gets a little bit more, little less huge and poofy and fairy tale like, although her second dress isn't huge and poofy at all. But you know what I mean? It's less fairy tale and it's more, it still has fairy tale likeness to it, but it's you could walk down the street and people wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, what is she wearing? And also at the end of Enchanted, she has her own business. 
and alasia function what happened to it i know like at the beginning i was thinking that i was like so because they talked about um when she had sophia and i was like so she just gave up her business when she had sophia she didn't like have somebody cover her or you know like they didn't really explain it very much no and then um but i i mean i can kind of understand like what they were going for is she just you know she accepted the fact that she was uh meant to be in in the real world and um she just started missing andalasia and then she started um romanticizing andalasia again and i get that i get what they were going for the problem is is that uh, they changed who the story was about midway through and i feel like if you've ever watched brave with uh the the cartoon so the problem that I always have had with Brave is the fact that the beginning of the movie is one story and the second half of the movie is a different story. And it, the ending is very confusing. And when Morgan goes in and she's like, I know what I have to do. And she pulls out that paper memory tree that she has. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is just like Brave. Like, <laughs> this is the same This is the same story. And it has the same problems of the fact that it started out as a relationship story between a mother and a daughter. And then rather than being a story about the two of them coming together, they separate them. And in brave, they separate them because the mom becomes a bear and then, uh, and the girl has to fix it by herself. And then in this one, they do it. They separate it by having Morgan be under the spell of the wish. Like she becomes the, the damsel in distress she becomes the heroine of the story you know the little girl that gets locked in the tower by her evil stepmother um and so they separate them and then they have to fight separately and it doesn't make sense separately and so you go from having this story about a mother and daughter figuring out their life together figuring you know getting through all those teenage problems and the mother's expectations versus the teenager's expectations and and that story and then you switch gears you separate them and you tell two separate stories and it ends up not making a satisfactory ending for either story so that's how I that's what I felt yeah no I agree it I forget about Brave sometimes Brave is also a movie that had so much potential if they just stuck with the storyline. And I think the storyline they should have stuck with was the first half of the movie storyline, not the bear part. But yeah, it really does have a lot of the same problems as that. And I, I would have loved to see a movie where Giselle and Morgan have to team up and work together to overcome something. I think that would have been so fun because there's a scene they don't really argue from what i remember the movie there's a scene where morgan's going off and she starts talking rudely to giselle and robert says you do not speak to your mother that way and that's when she calls her stepmother instead uh-huh. of mother, mom would have liked to see them kind not not duke it out you know but have a discussion mothers and daughters well any parent and any child there's going to be disagreements at times and especially as kids get older it can be hard to accept that how much independence they have and the fact that times their ideas can be really good you know and probably better than yours I would have just loved to see the relationship 
grow not that that was a problem her problem wasn't her growing necessarily it was the fact that she felt disconnected to morgan but i would have loved to see them have to come together and work together and their differences working in favor of going up against this obstacle and and one thing that they completely disregarded was the fact that they call her stepmother she call morgan calls her stepmother and then through every time that morgan calls her stepmother when they're in the curse or not the curse i'm thinking once upon a time when they're in the wish (laughs) um, every time that morgan calls her stepmother um giselle gets worse right and mm-hmm. so I'm like, okay, they're going to play into that in the end. And when she calls her mother, it's going to help out, you know, like, and they just kind of went nowhere with that. I felt it was an unfinished storyline. Yeah. Like it's like never, with Robert. I, yeah. And it's like, I was, and like at the end, she's like, you're my mom. You know, like they, they, they're like, yeah, you stopped calling your stepmother and call her mother again. But like that didn't have any effect on the magic or anything like because they made a point I felt like every time they called her stepmother that Giselle got a little bit worse and I was like okay like this is gonna be you know a part of it and it's like nope and then I was like oh that memory tree is gonna be a part of it and it was like kind of and then (laughs) like you know like all of the all of the things that happened just yeah they just happened they weren't foreshadowed or made clear or important in any way other than a true child of angelasia and it's like you are a true child of angelasia because you're my child like that that was the only thing that finally came to fruition and it took them way too long to get there agree so i was just like there were so many avenues they could have taken and there's so many setups that they just fell flat at the end. Yeah, it was so it's so weird when a movie has a setup and then they don't follow through on it because what was stopping them from following through on it? Enchanted was really good at that. They set up a lot of stuff and they finished them. And it was just so I don't think Enchanted is one of the best movies ever. I do think it's really cute and I do really like it a lot. And I was about to go off on these praises of the movie of the first movie and I realized that's what movies just used to be like they used to finish all their storylines and everything they set up they used to finish but nowadays it's been such a frustrating year or two or even three for movies that when a movie is good not even just great or anything but just a good solid story that actually finishes the storylines and has you know it's competent movie making people sing its praises because we are it's either a good movie or it's a really bad movie and we're kind of leveling out now to where we have disenchanted which is a really pretty movie to look at i don't hate it would i watch it again with my daughters yes i think my daughter would absolutely love to watch this movie because it's so pretty to look at but is it good in fact in the story part no it's not but the first movie when it came out i mean it helped boost amy adams career i feel like she was that what boosted her career? I feel like she was famous before that. Well, she was in Catch Me If You Can and a couple other things. Um, but that was her first, like, really Main. big leap. Yeah. And then she went on to do, like, Superman and stuff like that. So she became bigger um, after that. But that was, like, her first, like, main character role where she was the title character and everything and she, like that. And she does really well in that movie. She did really well in Disenchanted. I could tell how much fun she was having playing the 
the stepmother, the evil stepmother role. Mm-hmm. It looked fun. She had fun. Sometimes I wish she bit into it. Still, there were a couple lines. I'm like, oh, I wish she did a little bit more evilness there, just for more fun. But I also don't. I agree with you about the storyline being split and being weird and not and everything. I was like, I like the storyline. The sorry, I like seeing her <laughs> as evil stepmother because I can see her having fun. It's always more fun to play a villain than it is to play a a good guy. It just is. And I could tell Maya Rudolph also was having fun. It makes me sad that the movie. It's so unsatisfying. Yeah. That... <laughs> There's Sorry, nothing... I was trying to think of what I was trying to say. I'm like, where am I going with this? I loved watching her act because she had so much fun. I loved watching the musical numbers, but I can't remember the melody of any of the music. And I was so unsatisfied with the storyline that even with Amy Adams and Maya Rudolph killing it as in loving being evil, it just, as, as you said, didn't satisfy. That and I for the story, even with the, the the forgettable songs, um, and everything, had it had a satisfactory ending, I think it would have been like people would have liked it a lot more. They would have liked it more than the original because it has the fairy tale aspects and stuff. Um, but the fact that the ending wasn't climactic, you know, there was a bunch of things that had to happen. There was a lot of like the sad moments, like you're supposed to have a sad moment before the big victory. They had too many sad moments with because they had too many characters that were not together, that weren't working together. And so they had to bring them all together and they brought them together in like sad ways. <laughs> and so the, the like sadness before the climax was too long. And then the climax was not satisfactory because it wasn't something that Giselle did. It wasn't something that Morgan did. It was like she tears up the the paper and she does that because she's evil. And then for some reason that breaks the spell. Yeah, then, it was and, unclear. But, like she tosses it away and then all of a sudden she's surrounded in magic and what yeah. it, like, they could have done if they had, if they followed the whole stepmother and mother thing that you were going off of, she could tear it up, the paper up, throw it away, nothing happens, and she goes, "Mom," and then she says, "What did you call me, Mom?" And it's like a hit to her of, "Oh my goodness, you know the spell, the wish unworking," because now she's calling her mom, right? Because of their relationship is healing. Because even though she was mad at her and called her stepmother, and she's becoming this evil stepmother. Morgan still views her as her mom and that would have been satisfying to the audience in this like oh they're coming together and it's their the mother-daughter family dynamic is coming back like it, there's so much more you could have done with it and they started to that's the problem is that they started to do good they started to make it make sense they set it up to have a good satisfactory ending and and then they didn't because they didn't stick with one character. They didn't have any like plan. I felt it felt like they didn't have any plan of how to end it. Like they're like, oh, we could have Giselle wish for this, and then we could have a fairy tale land in our world, and then we could have musical numbers, and then we could send Morgan to Angelasia. That's so cool. You know, like I felt like all of these ideas were being thrown at it, but then nobody thought, how are we going to conclude that? 
satisfactorily you know like oh we could we could bring in this mother stepmother thing we have this memory tree and Morgan could bring the memory tree to Giselle or you know like they they there were so many ways to tie it together in a pretty little bow and they just didn't (laughs) you know like it wasn't like they went sideways with it or they were like a big shock that nobody saw it coming you know it's not like frozen where it's like oh actually I'm the bad guy it wasn't like a left turn it was just like fizzled out you know it was just like nah (laughs) we're just we're just gonna say okay Morgan's the hero yay and and it doesn't have to make sense and it doesn't have to work and it doesn't have to have anything to do with everything that we've set up or fixing their relationship it's just Morgan has to make a wish and not Giselle because of reasons you know like (laughs) well they gave Morgan a whole song about how she wanted to be well I don't know if the whole song was about how she wanted to be a hero because I don't remember the whole the whole songs but I remember in it she said she wanted to be the one to save the day yeah. And I'm sitting there and I just said, but why? At no point before this, when we were in reality, not in fairy tale land, did she she came off as sad because she did feel as though she fit in, especially during the wishing wand song when Nancy and Edward were gifting the wishing wand to Sophia. I definitely got that. Okay, you know, she's feeling left out. She doesn't feel as connected to Giselle, especially because Giselle seems to have regressed a little bit back to singing and doing musical numbers which no one else joins in with her which was weird because in the first movie everybody joins in with her yeah. and now it's just her singing and dancing and no one really seems to notice or mind at no point did it was it i want to be the one to save the day or anything i thought it was more of i feel disconnected from my family and i want to feel connected again i want to feel loved and like i belong and like i'm a part of my family because it's sad to feel as though you're the odd one out and then she's again, talk about wanting to save the day. And I just am sitting there and, and that's not, those are not the lyrics I think I would assign Morgan for her storyline. But they had, I guess they had to do it because just like you said, they have Morgan make the wish and be the hero in the end for reasons. And I wish she would have been the one to make the wish in the first place. And that yeah. we focused on her. You could still have Amy Adams hamming it up as evil stepmother, but I would have had them wake, like Morgan make the wish. Morgan wakes up and she's in this room and it looks like Cinderella's room from the movie Cinderella and then Giselle comes and she's the evil stepmother and maybe throughout the day she tries to mention certain things to Giselle to bring Giselle back of and like certain memories and whatnot and so that's why she thinks the memory tree will work to bring her back but really it wasn't the memory tree it was the affection and the closeness the, the relationship that was bringing her back in these small moments and then pulling her away so after she whips the memory tree and she calls her mom that that's like you know the final nail in the coffin for evil stepmother Giselle and real Giselle comes back see how much more poignant that is and I just thought of that off the top of my head right now right and that's what I don't understand with especially movies that come out straight to streaming services and with Disney and I know Disney's going through a lot right now with the CEOs and everything for those Mm -hmm. of you that don't know they hired their CEO and um, rehired the guy that was there for um, before the pandemic and so they're they're changing a lot of things but this movie was you know wrapped by the time that happens obviously this um, takes a long time so they had wrapped they had finished the story all of that had already happened 
before this turmoil. So it's like, I don't understand the writing process. Like I, I really want to, I want to be a fly on the wall in the writing rooms of these, of these movies, because I, as a writer, I listen to so many different um, YouTube channels, podcasts, uh, lecture series, like about storytelling. Constantly, I am berated, I braid myself, I guess, with, with storytelling advice and how to find and how to structure a story and how to finish a story and how to make stories satisfactory. I don't understand how professional writers, a group of professional writers in a production company as big as Disney can fall so flat in these ways and I think it has to be it has to be like they write it and they write it well and then editing comes in and they're you know and there's so many things and and we've talked about you know the documentary of Frozen 2 and how incredibly painful that was to watch that they didn't have a script until like the weeks before the movie premiered and that was so frustrating <laughs> for me to watch to be like how can you not, like how can the script not be finished before you are paying people for hundreds of hours of work when you haven't even finished your script yet you know so that was just it was painful or any company not just disney where you know disenchanted is obviously a disney movie so that's why i'm concerned but like so many movies not just nowadays but in the past whenever you know like whenever there's movies from you know every decade that have just fallen flat and some of it is the writing and some of it is the editing and some of it is there's too many uh you know cooks in the kitchen producers telling you to do you know you have to do one thing and actors wanting to do another thing And, and so I understand how different stories can fall apart however with this one I feel like Disney has all the power in the world right now as far as, you know, having writers at their disposal. Disney has a formula and I feel like um, Pixar has actually publicized their formula for telling a good story, you know, and it's like pick one of the thousands of different story structures that are out there and follow through with it you know like we talk about tropes on here all the time we talk about storytelling like it's not that difficult if you have all of the pieces to tell a good story you know what I mean like and they had all the pieces and I I know that sometimes you don't have all the pieces and so it doesn't work right you have (laughs) all those problems I, I listed but like sometimes you just have to tell the story a simple story and then you can Disneyify it with musical numbers and costumes and everything like that. But they keep trying to make these complicated stories that just don't land because they don't make sense. And it's like, just go back to the basic stories, make this a rom-com, like follow the formula of a rom-com enchanted follows the formula of a rom-com perfectly they just threw in some fairy tale elements and instead of the big fight at the end being a breakup or the boss getting fired or whatever it was a dragon like that was the only difference (laughs) with enchanted from a from a rom-com and it's like you have the formula from the first movie that is what people they want to see the rom-com because that makes sense and it's satisfactory. We know that. And then they stay and they rewatch it and they buy your streaming service and they buy the DVD because of all of the extra stuff. And this one had all the extra stuff. It just didn't have the basic, easy to tell story that everybody knows, everybody's familiar with. And that leaves you satisfied. 
And people can say what they want about rom-coms and how, oh, it's so predictable and the Hallmark movies are so predictable. But guess what? They've focus grouped it a million times. People want to know how stories end. (laughs) They want to not be surprised. They want to be surprised with unique elements to that story. But the story itself, it needs to to make sense. Yeah, easy to follow, needs to make sense. If you can do that and add all these flashy elements on top, then ta-da, you have Enchanted, which was really successful and everybody liked it because it was an easy to story to follow. It followed the exact formula that all the Hallmark movies do, that all of the rom-coms do. It followed that exact same formula. It just Mm -hmm. had interesting characters and really fun costumes and a cool little premise. This movie, Disenchanted, has all of the extra stuff, but it's missing a plot. And I think as we move forward with media and things like that, just whoever is listening out there, if you are writing a story, if you are telling a story in any way, making a movie, whatever, go back to the basic story structure and then add flourishes to that story structure. And then maybe later on and and you can get into epic fantasy where there's tons of different avenues and you can tell the story however you want. But with Disney, it's like, why are you messing with a good thing? Like, just tell a good story, a simple story. Simple storytelling has almost gone out of fashion. Maverick, Top Gun Maverick, brought it back, which we did a podcast episode on that. And it was a box office hit. He made tons of money. I think it's, what, the second or third highest grossing movie. Now, right. it's. I think it's still behind Avatar, the Blue People Avatar. I always have to make that distinction because when I say Avatar, I think The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. And so I always have to be the Blue People Avatar, not Last Airbender <laughs> Avatar. But anyway, I think, I think it's still behind Avatar, but it's second or third. So I think it beat t- Titanic. And it didn't premiere or show in china because there is something like they show a flag or something in the movie i can't remember exactly why but china said if you're gonna show it you have to edit that part out and they said no which kudos to them if you make a movie you should stick to what is in your movie not anyway but china is usually how a lot of these movies make a lot of money because there's a lot of people in china and a lot of them love movies so they go out in mass to see it And so you make a lot of money without premiering in China, which is one of the biggest markets for movies. Top Gun Maverick made it all the way up there. They probably could have beaten Avatar if they had gone to China, but they didn't. And it was a simple story. Very simple, very easy to follow, satisfactory ending. Anything that they set up, they finished. It had emotional moments in it. It had fun action moments in it. It started off with Tom Cruise saying thank you for coming out to see the movie. You know, you could really feel that people, the people working on this, really wanted to just tell a good, fun story and to entertain people. And it has been so long since we've had both in one movie. As we can see in Disenchanted, Disenchanted is entertaining. Doesn't tell the greatest story, but it's entertaining. Our wish was that it could be both, like movies that Disney put out used to be. I love the the movies that Disney's put out for a long. Talking about this movie with again with my husband because we watched it, both movies together and then talked about them. He said 
in Japanese anime, there's this thing where you have the main storyline. And then, for whatever reason, the anime will go off on a tangent and do what they call filler episodes about a side character or whatnot. And it's not as much fun as the main storyline, so a lot of people will wait and not watch for a while just to skip the filler and get back to the main storyline. And he said he feels as though that's what Disney is doing with a lot of these movies. They have one or two really, really good movies that come out every year or so. Like, think Encanto. I really like Encanto. And then a bunch of other movies that they released felt not as good because, in his words, they're filler. It's just something to put out to make some money, and they're really over here focusing on this other project. And that's what's getting the love and the attention, and that's why when it comes out, it's really good. And they keep us hooked because they're like, oh, look, remember remember this movie? How good it was? Yeah, that's going to come. You know, not in the next three or four movies, but eventually it'll be there. And I'm just wondering how much longer they can do that before people stop wanting to watch new disney movies because they're so tired of filler right now um the movie that just came out strange world strange world Mm -hmm. it is a bomb like the studio so much money because people don't want to see it because of the advertising for it and the subject matter of it like they people like it is bombing and it's like people don't trust disney anymore to make any like if you have any problem with anything in that movie you don't trust disney enough to tell a good enough story to make it worth it you know what i mean like there are plenty of you know things that you don't like that i don't really like in certain movies but i will watch it because of x y and z you know because i really like this i really like this but Nobody trusts Disney anymore to tell an amazing story or to show a really fun movie that's entertaining. And so if there's something in it, like Lightyear, Lightyear didn't do well either. And the problem is, is that it's not worth what, like if there's even the slightest bit of controversy, controversy in one of these movies, it's not worth it. Like people aren't going like, oh, well, that's fine. Like I feel like with Beauty and the Beast, um, the live action, so many people were so excited about that. And then there was a little controversy about it, but people loved it so much. Like they they love Beauty and the Beast and, and the um, advertising was so, it was like, oh, it's worth it. Like it's worth, you know, this little bit of controversy to see this movie. But I feel like that was several years ago. And now it's like, not worth it (laughs) you know like this this movie is not going to be worth it to me to deal with anything that I might have any problem with and you know I was listening to a video on YouTube um this these I think they're a couple maybe brother or sister or co-workers I'm not sure I think they might be a couple but anyway they used to be Disney bloggers they were all in on the Disney machine they I think they worked for Disney they worked with Disney for sure talking about the parks about movies everything they fall they were full and huge star wars fans especially it's a guy and a girl and the girl especially seemed to be a bigger star wars fan than the guy but now they they talk not just about disney they talk about pop culture and anime and other stuff but i was listening to one of their videos about star wars and they were saying that they got away from disney and have stopped watching star wars related things because it just got so tiring they were just so exhausted and frustrated 
with them not putting out good stuff. And Star Wars is kind of what really seemed to cinch the deal for them, which I completely understand. And the girl made this point that I have been saying to people for a little while now. So I was like, oh my gosh, someone had the exact same thought and feelings as I did, which is I have heard that the new Star Wars show Andor is good. I have heard that from everybody, that it is good, that it's the best, one of the best of the Star Wars things that Disney has put out, movie or show. Yeah, I cannot, for the life of me, as a lifelong Star Wars fan, as I speak, in front of me on the bookcase are a bunch of Star Wars books that I have grown up reading by Timothy Zahn and, oh, I can't read the other, someone, Anderson, I think is his name. I read hundreds of Star Wars books, spent hundreds of hours watching the movies and reading these books. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I cannot bring myself to care enough to watch this show that people say is a good Star Wars show. Because I'm so sick and tired of Disney and I don't trust them fully. And I'm thinking when people say good, is it good like good used to be or is it good for Disney? And she said the same thing. She's like, I just can't bring myself to care. She used to be her job to report on all things Disney. And then that included Star Wars for a while because she was a huge fan. She's like, I just can't bring myself to care. And that's all people are feeling. And it makes me so sad. And I'm wondering if there's going to be a shift from these really big production companies that seem to just want to make money and not do so by telling a good story. You're a business, of course, make money. But can you tell a good story in the process? Going to shift to smaller creators who do care about telling a good story and having that power shift. Yeah, I hope it does. I hope it really does wake up big production companies. Like, well, like Disney, they fired their CEO. They're trying to change um i know a lot of like why they fired the ceo had to do more with the parks um than necessarily with like the movies that we're bringing out but i just hope that there is something with bringing him back that they have learned some kind of lesson of like hey families want family entertainment that they can just put on especially from disney they want to put their kids in front of the tv show front of the tv and let them watch and not have to worry about anything else that's what disney has promised them that is what disney's done for years and when you just throw crap out (laughs) for the sake, like that's how i like how she's talking about um star wars i definitely feel that i have not watched endor i just really can't care i haven't watched all of the marvel tv shows because i really can't care you know (laughs) like i love marvel superheroes are something that has been so like i'm a huge fan of superheroes i always haven't they have been so influential in my life since I was a child, before the MCU came out, I loved Batman, I loved Superman, I loved Spider-Man, and I really loved the superhero ideology and the stories that were told in superheroes, uh, books and movies and cartoons and stuff. I really love superheroes. I am so burnt out of all of the Marvel crap that they keep putting out that isn't good like I I keep trying and I I loved WandaVision but WandaVision ended so lackluster and I loved uh Black Widow but that story was so lackluster and you know and then I watched the She-Hulk and I only watched one episode don't so I was like I, I'm not going to be one of those people who like just complains about something and then continues watching it just so they can complain about it. I'm like, 
you know, I'm one of those people who's like, if you don't like, if you don't like it, then just, you know, keep scrolling, you know, keep going, go past it. So that's what I did with She-Hulk. I was like, I didn't like the first episode. I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to worry about it. I haven't watched Endor because I, I don't trust Disney and like to get me, <laughs> someone who has loved superheroes their entire life to not want to watch superhero TV shows, <laughs> that is saying something you know? And I, I feel like everybody in the world is feeling that right now. Like we're just so tired of Disney putting stuff out, big studios putting stuff out that is not worth our time. You know, like it's not worth paying money to go to a a movie theater and sit there and watch it and spend those hours, spend that money to just be left with a feeling of meh. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not horrible. It's not awful. It's just meh. It's just there. It was just like, oh, well, maybe we can do something with this, you know, with so many good writers out there. I have such a hard time (laughs) with the fact that the writing for this movie, Disenchanted, was so lackluster at the end and and didn't come full circle and they made promises they didn't keep and broke all of these rules of storytelling. And yet they're working for the biggest production company in the world it's really insane and it all ties in together it's hard to talk now about a single disney movie without bringing all of the rest of this in and it's kind of sad that that's how it's become speaking of strange world they cannot release it into china or other middle eastern countries Mm -hmm because of certain content that they chose to be have in it in the past disney has edited movies to feature certain characters less or take out certain storylines or plots or images that they don't like so they can make money right i've always been very upset at them for that because i as i said before with top gun maverick if you're gonna make a movie i feel as though you should be able to say this is my stamp of approval on this this is the movie and if you're gonna watch it this is how it is mm-hmm. and you shouldn't I mean, I'm if you're going to edit it, at least edit it for, I, I, I don't know. But this time they're not doing that. And I'm, I'm not going to say, like, I respect them for everything. But I'm like, at least they're not being hypocrites in this movie, in this case. But also, I feel as though the reason they didn't advertise Strange World as much, because I barely heard about it. And a lot of people have barely heard about it. I think they knew that it was a filler movie. I think they knew it wasn't going to be a big hit. And so they did it. And not because necessarily content in it. Because as you said, if the movie is good enough, people will go out and watch. If they feel it's worthy. I, I really think that they looked at it as a filler. Maybe make a little, some money. And then they can use that on whatever project they're actually focusing on. But they are set to lose I think a hundred million dollars on this movie. Absolutely insane. But I do, but, and without that international box office stuff from China and the other Middle Eastern countries, they're really not, they're set, they're focused more on domestic. And I don't know what other countries they're showing it. And I'm assuming the United States, Canada, England, Mexico. I, I don't know uh, every country that they release to theaters to. And I don't know what every country's censorship laws are but i know about china's because it's been for years like with star wars they reduced finn's part in it 
for so they could show it in China. And I thought that was ridiculous and stupid. And I did not like that they had to do that necessarily. I disagreed with China. <laughs> I disagree with a lot of China's law. <laughs> Maybe you should edit that out. We'll get in trouble with the Chinese <laughs> government. No, and I, I don't know. I personally, I don't have a problem with, I have had this conversation with, um, someone that I'm close to that doesn't like VidAngel or things like that where they edit out content for you so that you can watch like I personally don't watch rated R movies you don't watch rated R movies you can watch it on VidAngel and it will cut out the things that made it rated R and so it'll cut out cussing or um, explicit content or gore or things like that that would make it rated r and he was like no because it's art and that's what it's supposed to be and that's how it's supposed to make you feel so when you take something and you censor it cut out things um then you're you're not getting what the director intended and i'm like as a director i can understand where you're coming from because he's a director i'm like i i can understand that but I also know that it is possible to tell the same story a thousand different ways. And if something is not integral to the storyline, to the plot, to see on screen, like maybe this character has to die and this person has to kill them, you can do that off screen. You can do that, you know, showing their faces and, you know, the, the firing the gun. You don't have to see the blood splatter, you know. His argument was that, well, I the director wanted you to see that they wanted you to have that realism moment and stuff like that. And I'm like, I have a better imagination than you could put on the screen. (laughs) And, and so I I understand that they're both sides of the debate as far as editing things out. I do agree with you with the Disney thing in that they have paraded themselves as being advocates for certain demographics and then willing to, to cut those demographics out in order to make money i think i do think that there is a difference (laughs) but i but i understand both sides of the argument like if you're in china or you're in one of those countries that um doesn't allow certain things but you still want the movie can the story be told without it um like maverick i personally think it wouldn't be that big of a deal the, it literally shows the pl- the flag for like two seconds and you could easily block that out it is not integral to the story it is not important to the story <laughs> that he has that badge on his jacket um but that's up to you know like that's up to the discretion of of the studio and the director and the people like that so playing devil's advocate here which but is perfectly I also- fine no i i i like that perspective i guess for me it was the hypocrisy that bugged me that makes sense I don't like hypocrisy. I don't like it in myself because we're all a little bit hypocritical about certain things <laughs> and I try to smash it out whenever I see it. I um, I it's one of my biggest pet peeves as I think most people are is when they see hypocrisy and so that's why I was not happy with Disney doing that. And this time I actually am like thank you for your you said you have these beliefs and these ideals and you're actually sticking to it and I actually respect people who stick to their ideals. As long as it's but, I don't, way. but it is losing them money and I honestly think that it has nothing to do with them sticking to their ideals I think the fact that it is very much they can't remove that character mm-hmm. from 
from the movie like they couldn't tell the story without it and so they they couldn't find a workaround <laughs> would i honestly feel like it's more that they couldn't find a workaround that china and these other countries would be happy with and so that's why they didn't do it i don't that's think it sad. has to do with them learning their lesson and not being hypocrites i i, I don't believe that <laughs> i don't I trust saw- disney in the you don't trust Disney for that. Yeah, it's probably more accurate, but that's probably the most accurate, honestly, just based on their history of the way that they've edited things in the past. When I saw the trailer for Strange World, I to watch it. I still am interested to watch it, honestly, even with all the controversy and whatnot going around it. But I've heard it's not good. So it's not even just the controversy. It's honestly that people who have seen it, and this is regular people, not, you know, if you go on and read comments from people who went and saw and decided to comment on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. Overall, people said it's not very good. The storyline isn't enticing. It's not funny. It's not... There are some people saying that even though it was an animated Disney movie, they felt like it should be for older children just because it dealt with nuances that younger children wouldn't understand people were saying they brought their younger children to the movie and their younger children did not understand it and therefore did not like it because they didn't know what was going on turning red basically yeah i we we talked about turning red i'm pretty sure on a previous podcast and i said i don't think i'd want my young children watching it's a movie i'd have them watch when they're older because even though the animation is fun and sparkly and bright and fit for younger age group the nuances and certain aspects of the storytelling it's a coming of age teenage story so yeah in my opinion my child should be the same age as the character if not older to watch a coming of age teenage story she is not that she's three is the oldest one and the other one is a baby literal baby so they need not that content because it's it's maybe fun to look at but i also want them to have movies that are to their level of understanding and are good for them and help them as much as possible or at the very least entertain them without me having to worry that there's going to be something in there that is too far for them to understand at that age level and I think children are smarter than we give them credit for but you also have to keep it age appropriate and it's a delicate balance that Disney used to have and now they seem to have thrown it out and that's what I'll end on is they used to have this wonderful balance of age appropriate but deep in in that fact that they didn't think children are stupid because children are not stupid it was still something you know that people both the children and the parents could be entertained by and now i don't know who they're making their movies for yeah i i think they've lost track of who their audience is um with turning red with strange world which i haven't seen but i feel like they've lost who their audience is because Turning Red was very much advertised for young children and it is a coming of age story. And my niece watched it uh, with me and she's 10. So, you know, she's about to go into, you know, the subject matter that is happening in Turning Red, um, growing up and, and becoming um, a teenager and stuff like that. Like she's, she's right on the cusp of that. She's 11 now. And she was like, why doesn't she just talk to her mom like why are they showing these relationships that are that are not healthy and why you know like and she was like she as a 10 year old she understood a lot of the things but it wasn't a good example for her it wasn't a good like this is how you should be or this is a great way of dealing with the situation or like it wasn't teaching her anything and it wasn't entertaining enough for it to be worth 
the lessons that that were being taught in it because the lessons that were being taught in it weren't that great of lessons and they weren't there was so much secondhand embarrassment like and I I, I want to just kind of bring it back to disenchanted where disenchanted I feel like I would let my my 11 year old niece watch there's nothing that I feel like is out of her understanding or or is too much for her it's not a coming of age story it's not a coming to you know like it's not even a story like you know it's like a bunch of characters running around together and having fun which I think is fine for anybody to watch I think that whoever wants to can this movie is very much a pg movie it has very little uh that I would worry about it but it's not it's also not teaching anybody anything really profound it's it's not emotionally connecting them it's not making them feel and learn to to grow and, and become a family it's not teaching kids who have blended families that they can really come together and join together and, and overcome things together like it it kind of touches on those things and so if you if you feel that way watching this movie that's great and I'm so glad that that you felt that and that you were able to get that but as someone who I like I didn't come from a blended family so like I'm looking at it and I'm going, I don't, I don't feel like this would help somebody who was going through the same situation who had a stepmother or a stepdaughter who was now a teenager and rebelling and stuff. Like, I don't think that this movie would really help them. I don't think that it would give them an emotional catharsis or anything. Like, I feel like this movie would just, it's just pretty. It's just fun. It's just there. And so that's like, we'll go ahead and end it here. But like, I just want to say like, when we talk on this podcast, we, we love to preach. <laughs> we love to tell people what to do. Um, mostly we're just telling ourselves what to do. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think watching this story, like whatever story you watch, if you want to watch Strange World and you love it and you think it's great, if you watch Turning Red and you felt like it was totally speaking to you and you felt seen or whatever, like that is so great. And I'm so glad that people find good in these, in these stories. But I, I do want to see people putting effort into the stories that they're telling they're putting effort into I think the the dance numbers they're putting effort into the color and the and the animation and and all this stuff and the characters but they're not putting effort into the stories and I I feel it when I watch something and I'm like I am the person who like I hate being interrupted when I'm watching a tv show because I get so into it and I feel it you know and it really helps me deal with whatever emotion I'm dealing with you know like it it's so powerful to me stories are so powerful to me when I see it just fall flat constantly it's like we get on here and we complain about movies because I'm so disappointed because I want to love movies. I want to feel and I want to experience stuff like I did all growing up and like with the with the stories that I saw. And I mean, when I was a kid, there was plenty of crappy movies out there, but there was enough good movies, good solid movies that those crappy ones just didn't penetrate. You know, they weren't all that I had to choose from where I feel like now that's all you have to choose from. So I really hope that Disney's new CEO makes some changes in the in the studio, makes people write their freaking scripts and then animate them. You know, if they they want to have um, audiences test it, right? They have tester audiences, they have focus groups. Like, do that with the script, do it with the storyboard. You know, don't wait until you've advertised the movie a hundred times and you've paid for 50 hours from 5,000 employees to work on it like write a really good story 
and tell it, you know? So that's, that's what we're asking for <laughs> of Disney, of Sony, of Fox, of all of the different studios, 20th Century Fox, like all of them. Like that's what we're asking for. Tell a good story and, and, and that's it. Like period, end of story. Tell a good story. <laughs> yeah, the lack so, of effort is really insulting. I 100% agree as, some, as someone who also really gets into and loves stories. And I think that's why we get on here and preach so much. If these movies weren't out, I think we'd be have a lot of more happier, less preachy podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> these are the thoughts that go through our head. Um, and we come at it from different perspectives, both the storytellers. But for me, I always watch stuff and I'm like, okay, when would I let my child watch this? What kind of conversations would we have surrounding it? What lessons can I learn as a parent from this to parent my own children and everything? And I will, I will say that Turning Red, not that I didn't know it before Turning Red, but I will say that Turning Red really honed down for me that I want to let my daughter know she can come to me with anything and I'll always be there to listen. And I, you know, I'm not a friend, I'm a mom, but what she, I, I'm not going to prejudge her. I'm not going to be harsh or put her down. I want to be the person that when she's going through struggles, she can come to me and I can be like, you know what? I've also been a teenager and I know it's a different experience for you, but here's what what I did when I was a teenager. Let's look at options for you if that's good for you or if you need to do something else. You know, I want to be open in communicating with my daughters and any other future children I have. I think I get a little preachy because I am, I learn through stories as most people do and so that's why we get preachy and we hope that you have enjoyed our preachiness on this podcast and let us know what you thought of disenchanted or any other movie we've mentioned during this podcast if you agree or disagree we are perfectly fine with that we're on facebook and instagram as your little sisters productions we can find missed opportunities podcasts on anchor you can share it from anchor or from spotify or from apple podcast and if you want to support us you can go to patreon.com slash joyflake and join one of the tiers on there look for the missed opportunities podcast or the your little sisters youtube tier whichever one you choose that money will go directly to helping either the podcast or youtube channel and i say this every episode stay tuned we'll have youtube content up we live far away from each other and it's hard to do far away from each other, but we're going to do our best to make it happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, we're, we're going to do a Christmas one. I feel like we do a Christmas one every year, and that's just going to be our tradition. <laughs> if we do nothing else throughout the year, we're going to get you a Christmas video. Absolutely. We will. So if you want to see our Christmas video for this year, it'll be up on YouTube. But if you want to help support it, you can go to the Patreon site. Let us know if there's any movies or topic that you like or surrounding movies specifically probably that you like us to talk about go ahead and comment or it or message us thank you so much for listening i'm laura i'm taya bye bye